Any man with two hands has a fighting chance. All right, you marks out there. Welcome to episode 19 of the FM Mox podcast. As usual, I am the brainless one, Bobby the Brainless. And I'm Ja Rule. And welcome to our podcast. So, you know, we didn't really discuss this. What do we want to start with this week? Why don't you, why, why uh, don't, why don't why don't you pay attention to what's going on, Junior? Hey, hey, hey uh, we're getting messages. And Come on, somebody, we're somebody, getting play-by-play play going on somebody here. Somebody brought up the fact that how adorable I look with with an actual trimmed-up beard. Uh, yeah, it was about time the Bobby the Brainless got the rid of... people listening to the podcast don't know you have a beard. If they're watching, they do. If they've seen our videos that we've posted on our Facebook and the pictures we posted on Twitter and our Instagram account, they do know that I have a beard. Well, I mean, in, in all fairness, you know, more people watch our live podcasts than listen to our produced audio podcast. We still have followers there, but uh, in case you didn't know, Bobby the Brainless has a beard. And, and by the way, if you want to see his outstanding beard, you should follow us uh, on Facebook and or Twitter and or Instagram. And uh, for both Facebook and Instagram, it's the FN Marks. And for Twitter, Bobby the Brainless, what do we have? It's the F underscore N Marks, M-A-R-K-S, not the M-A-U-K-S that you Bostonians, if you're listening in the Boston region, um... It's it's we we'll put it into there. Yeah. Right. Um, where do I want to start? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we we already discussed Survivor the Series, and we already discussed uh, what happened at t- Takeover last week. So uh, I would say we move beyond that. Do we start with Raw? Do you want to start with SmackDown? Actually, you know what, Jay? I wanted to change it up a little bit today. If that's okay it. with you. You know, especially because we're not you know anchored down by a, an hour and a half long. Uh, Discussion, discussion of, of the Survivor Series and the NXT TakeOver from this past weekend. And um, if you do want to watch those episodes, they are on our Twitter feed, and it's also on our Facebook page. So check them out. Cheap plug right there, huh? Bam. Uh, anyway, if you do get a chance to go back and watch that video, uh, we had a very interesting question that one of our followers on uh, Twitter had asked us, and it was about the... Um, how important was Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock to the professional wrestling industry, or i.e. the, the WWE, WWE. WWE, WWE. So I wanted to kind of flip that a little bit and just get it off on a, on, a, on, a different, on a different wave than we normally would. Because you know what? We do the same thing every other fucking time we're doing this for 18 weeks. So, you know, let's just let's shake things up a little bit. In your opinion, Jay, who was the most influential person... In the WWE, for you as a fan growing up as a kid, are, are we specifically talking somebody who performs in the ring? Because I I have a couple of different answers for this. If it's not in the ring, let's hear both. All right. Um, for me, if you're talking influential performers, we're not talking about over with the audience. We're not talking about uh, things like that. Uh, honestly, I think I have to go with the Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid spawned so many people to like get into wrestling, and they took on his style and persona—not exactly his persona, but like you know, you got Davy Richards, uh, very much in the same ilk as Dynamite Kid, uh, Chris Benoit, and you know there are a few others. You, you, you have guys like Eddie Guerrero uh, who had a huge influence, but I would say uh, Dynamite Kid. 
for me, was one of the bigger influences out there. Obviously, a lot of people are into Shawn Michaels, but again, I go back to uh, Dynamite Kid. But if you're talking behind the scenes, I, I think there are two people in particular uh, that aren't named Vincent Kennedy McMahon that really had a big hand in how wrestling is going now and how WWF and WWE were able to kind of weather the storm in the mid to late 90s and, you know, come out stronger and better. And number one on that list to me is Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson... Uh, for, very, very good answer, by the way. Sorry. But with, with Pat Patterson, he was the guy who came up with the concept for the Royal Rumble, which is, to me, my favorite pay-per-view every year because I know, you know, even a bad Rumble match is still pretty damn entertaining. And he's the one who came up with the concept, but he's he really is the idea man as far as in the wrestling ring. I, I think Vince at this point is more of a businessman. Pat Patterson is the guy who understands the wrestling business, understands the crowd, and knows what it takes to draw the crowd in. Uh, number two on that list for me would be Jim Ross. Because outside of just... He, he, Jim Ross wasn't just a ring announcer. You know, he was the head of talent relations and brought in just about everybody from the Attitude Era that did anything of significance. It was Jim Ross, and Jim Ross was not only head of talent relations, he was a talent scout. So, you know, he had a lot to do, even with what's going on currently in wrestling. I mean, the Hardys both came from Jim Ross signing them. Brock Lesnar... That was Jim Ross signing uh, Edge and Christian. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. The Rock, uh, Mankind, a whole slew of people. And I think those two guys are probably the most significant behind the scenes, not Vince McMahon, to shape the way the professional wrestling business is now. And so, yeah, that would be my, my long, short answer. Those are fantastic answers. You really knocked out, you know, I really, you know, I can't argue with Pat Patterson being one of them because, like you said, as a, as a backstage agent and everything, he's done so much for the WWE and the WWF before it was the WWE. And the same thing with Jim Ross being the, you know, another talent, head of talent relations and a scout that went out there and signed a lot of the guys. Um, personally, for me, if I have to throw Vince McMahon out of the equation, and I will, I have no problem. Throwing I mean, him out. Yeah, I mean, otherwise yeah. he he he'll be at the top of whatever list. Um, for me, for in ring personas, I think the one person that sticks out to most to me, and I would love to say Hulk Hogan, I really would. It's Bobby the Brain Heenan. Sure. Um, what Bobby the Brain Dean Heenan did for the '80s as a manager, he managed some of the great wrestlers. You know, a lot of guys that were at the top of the business, you know, the Andre the Giants, the uh, the King Kong Bundys, um, if I'm not mistaken, Demolition at one point, or is that Mr. Fuji? Mr. Fuji that was, Mr. was Fuji. Uh, Demolition. Was, it was the Colossal Connection, which uh, was Haku and Andre the Giant. That's who it was, the the, the Colossal Connection. Um, Ravishing Rick Rude. Yep, Mr. Uh, Perfect. Mr. Perfect, obviously. He um, was a consultant for Ric Flair. Woo! Executive uh, consultant, I believe, was his official title. And not only was Bobby the Brain Heenan one of the top managers, in my opinion, it's he's one and two with Paul Heyman. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people now would say it's Paul Heyman. You know, back in the day, a lot of people would say that it's Bobby Heenan. Uh, what Heenan did for the WWF as a manager, 
uh, is second, in my opinion, to no one. You know, Heyman had his opportunity in WCW and did what he did. But he and really, obviously ECW, and too. ECW. Uh, but I would also say that, you know, with him now as the the advocate for the, the Beast Incarnate, obviously you got to put Heyman in that discussion. But also for Bobby Heenan, what he was able to do as an announcer after he stopped being a manager for all these guys – uh, being the voice of, I mean, he spent he had a short run with WWF as an announcer. He made a bigger name for himself as an announcer in WCW. Obviously, I always remember the match that Hacksaw Jim Duggan had against <laughs> whatever the hell the guy's name was, and Bobby Heenan pretty much laughed the entire. Yeah, we're we're uh, we had a, a question on Facebook uh, asking if we're rocking the 40s right now. Yes, we are. Colt 45, Brian. The unofficial spokes drink of the FM Marks podcast. Colt 45. Uh, You know, and another name I came up with uh, that we didn't mention, who very influential, and I would say probably the guy right under Hulk Hogan back in the late 80s, the Macho Man. Oh, yeah. Because a a lot of people really really influenced by him. I mean, you you have CM Punk, Seth Rollins, uh, you know, uh, you had... uh, What's his name there? The oh yeah, the the, the greatest in ring performer ever. Uh, Shawn Michaels was influenced by Macho Man. Great promo, great in the ring, and obviously his influence is still felt all over the place, despite the fact that he is not he hasn't performed in over a decade in a wrestling ring, and obviously he's passed now. So unfortunately, we will no longer have magic moments. But like he was the guy who everybody kind of pointed to, who you know, he wasn't the guy, but he was the guy everybody kind of patterned themselves after. He had unique look, and he had a, a very unique voice. A- absolutely. And he had an awesome rap album <laughs> where he made fun of Hulk Hogan. Um, another name that I wanted to bring up would be the second person I brought up to go with Bobby Heenan um, is Howard Finkel. Yeah. A man who doesn't really get a lot of credit for what he has done and what he's accomplished in professional wrestling. Uh, obviously a WWE Hall of Famer, and justifiably as well. Um, he was the voice of the WWF and the WWE for a very long time. He's synonymous with WrestleMania. He came, up, the, with the he name. came up with the name of WrestleMania. I was actually going to get to that. Sorry. But thank you. No, it's it's no big deal. Um, obviously, you can't take away what he's done because he really kind of paved the way for a lot of people out there who became announcers after him. The, the Lillian Garcias and the Tony Chimmels and Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts. Uh, what's his name for uh, WCW? Jeremy, uh, uh, you had uh, Gary Michael Capetta. Gary Michael Capetta. Uh, you got Jeremy Borash for TNA. Yep. You know, a lot of guys out there who I think really patterned themselves after Finkel. You know, one thing that I think is a shame nowadays because, I mean, TV is such a visual medium. A guy like Howard Finkel today if he was coming through would have never gotten a shot to be on TV and that dude has such a spectacular voice it makes everything oh, yeah. sound more impressive he he definitely had the perfect voice for uh, being a wrestling announcer which is what really separates him from all the other announcers over the years even even like the Shawnos that we've we've come to see from big time wrestling and everything you know he really is like the benchmark of what to be as the ideal ring announcer 
Everybody knows when somebody wins the world championship, how are you supposed to say it? And new World Wrestling Federation champion! And everybody knows that because that, that's how the Fink called it, and that's how everybody since then has really called it. It really overemphasizing the new thing, and it's spectacular. And I'd like to add that if I was a professional wrestler now, like if I had a one-shot, one-off thing where I actually got to wrestle WrestleMania, like, let's say this year, and I could have any one request granted to me, it would be to have Howard Finkel announce me to the ring. Uh, me, personally, I'd have two requests. I'd have Howard Finkel, and I would uh, have Jim Ross As replace the, yeah. David Otunga on the, in the commentary. Jeez, I would just take a shit and have that replace David Otunga. I, I, you know what I would want to see? I would want Corey Graves and Jim Ross together. That would be spectacular. And more of a novel. That would be. I would, I would be love funny. that. Would be the perfect combination. I think it would. It would absolutely work. And I, I agree with you with the Jim Ross thing as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are really to me the. Those are the influencers who really paved the way going forward. Obviously, there are people going back even further, like Gorgeous George. You know, Macho Man got his theme song from Gorgeous George. A lot of kind of the. Uh, flamboyance of like Ric Flair and even the flamboyance of the Macho Man came from a guy like Gorgeous George back in the day. But if you're talking like modern era stuff, you know, it's the guys we were talking about. Well, what about, what is it, wasn't it Arnold Scotland who trained Triple H in China? Killer Kowalski. Killer Kowalski, I'm Killer... sorry, I always get those two mixed up. I, yeah, yeah. I apologize, I apologize. Um, well, I, I mean, call myself it, it, a fucking Mark, right? Well, I mean, in that respect, I mean, you could say Stu Hart had a lot to do with what's yeah, going he had on. All the guys that went through the dungeon, you know, obviously his children, uh, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, Jim the Anvil, Nightheart, Brian Dynamite Pillman, kid. Uh, and even Bret Hart's former uh, paperboy, Tyson Kidd. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, you know, Stu Hart at, still has a lot of long-reaching influence in in what's going on in wrestling and, today. And Freddie Blassie, exactly. Freddie Blassie, tremendous. So. Wasn't he Bob Backlund's manager? Arnold Skoland was. God damn it! I'm just oh, struggling you're off today. You know, you're I'm, off making, today. I'm making a call to the bullpen. We got to make a call to the bullpen. You know, Andre, Andre, help him out. Andre, Andre's been. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, Andre, Andre's been eyeing my freaking forty since I, I brought it in here. Like I, that dude could down that thing in like two seconds and have like another fifty of them. That's like a sip to him. Yeah, that, uh, no big deal. So. You want to get on track, or you want to go a little bit more? Yeah, hey, we this? could dig a, a little bit deeper into old stuff, or, or is uh, there? All right, let me flip it this way: Is what is the most influential? What is the most influential moment for you as a fan in wrestling history? Because to me, there's three moments that really stick out, but I want to hear yours because I, I, I obviously I came up with this answer or this question, so I have an answer already lined up in my mind. Uh, I, I I don't have uh, too much lined up, although, uh, I mean, I, I could come up with this uh, pretty quick. I mean, I think we share this moment. Uh, Hulk Hogan slamming the Giant at WrestleMania three. honestly, is, I mean, you can't really think of much bigger of a moment to actually happen out there. And our buddy The Clutchness chimes in. Ray Mysterio beating Randy Orton and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. 
That was a tremendous moment. It was. It really was the the ultimate underdog. Came out of nowhere. The ultimate underdog uh, getting the victory over uh, two of the most, uh, two of the bigger Big names stars. at the time. Uh, Kurt Angle, obviously one of the top five superstars at the time when he beat him. Uh, especially it, it was a great it Eddie tribute, yeah. tribute to Guerrero back then. That is a fantastic moment. Uh, for me, uh, an, another, to me, this was really, you know, the Kickstarter, like the Attitude Era had already started, but to me, this is what really like drove it into like full gear when Mike Tyson knocked out Shawn Michaels after WrestleMania 14. <laughs> Because, you know, WWF had a lot of momentum, but they still were getting beat most weeks by WCW at that point. And, af- you know, kind of after that moment at WrestleMania where Tyson knocked out Shawn Michaels and Tyson brought a lot of new eyes back to, or I shouldn't say necessarily new, but he brought a lot of eyes back to wrestling. I think there were some casual fans who didn't pay attention much, but when they saw that Mike Tyson was involved, they probably decided they were going to, eh, I'm going to check this out. And that really, I think, launched wrestling into the stratosphere. And a third moment, uh, you know, we didn't realize it was a moment when it was happening. But, and as much as he's not my favorite wrestler, John Cena's first night against Kurt Angle. Because Cena, uh, for better or worse, has been the guy, and I would say he, pro- to me, he he has the second longest run in WWF of all time, as far as being a top guy. The only guy that surpasses him in my book is Bruno San Martino, because San Martino had a, a run of like almost twenty years. Uh, Hogan had a longer run overall. That was a couple of different companies. You know, for uh, WWF, I mean, he went from, like, 83 to, like, 93, but then he was gone for the next eight years. So when he came back, it's been very sporadic and not on the same level. Cena's been consistently a top guy for about 13 years now. Give or take. Yeah. So Um, as much as I don't love him... That that was a big moment that really kind of showed the new era uh, of wrestling, and you know, I I think right now we're in a we're actually in a very good period of wrestling. Uh, the storytelling could be a bit better, but the wrestling itself is fantastic and probably better than it's ever been. Right, and uh, for me personally, I would love to say Andre and Hogan because I mean, come on, Hogan slamming the giant. It's probably the ultimate markout moment of any wrestling fan's life. Post Teddy Long. <laughs> Playa. Um, but there are three that I would like to bring up. Sure. Since you did bring up the Andre and the Hogan moment from WrestleMania 3, uh, I don't want to steal that one. So I came up with no, another no, one. You can, no, but I came up with But the thing was, it was a beautiful thing because you came up and you were talking about the whole John Cena thing and the whole Attitude Era thing. And it made me think of something else that was actually a really good moment that I'd like to bring up. Sure. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is um, back in the early 90s, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty were, oh. on the, were on the barber shop together doing an interview where Shawn and Marty were not seeing eye to eye, and Shawn Michaels super kicked 
Marty Jannetty, and then threw him through the barbershop window. Um, for me, as a, as a wrestling fan, that really spearheaded Shawn Michaels' career, uh, Mr. WrestleMania himself. I uh, can't really discount him as a professional wrestler, What he, especially what he meant to the WWF, because in the post-Hulk Hogan, Hogan era, era, you needed somebody, a new person. And Shawn Michaels really stepped up to the plate. Obviously, and he's done some things. And obviously, he's done some things in the past that a lot of people are not thrilled about with, the, obviously, the Montreal Screwjob and everything. But you still can't take away what Shawn Michaels meant to the WWF in the post-Hogan era. Well, and he was part of that WrestleMania 14 moment right? that I was talking about a little bit before. Uh, pivotal. An another one that really, to this day, blows my mind that it happened, and it happened 20 years ago, and that was at Bash at the Beach, 1996, when it was the Outsiders going up against Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man. Uh, Sting and Luger were taken out of the match. And it was just a macho man going up against the Outsiders. And Hulk Hogan strolled his way down to the ring, wearing his yellow and red like he typically does. And, you know, everybody thought that he was going to help the macho man against the Outsiders. And then he delivered the leg drop hurt around the world. A couple times. A couple of times. And Hulk Hogan infamous, infamously made his heel turn. And to me, that really spearheaded him into, you know, he was in the twilight of his career, kind of like Roger Clemens when he went to Toronto and everything. Right. And it really extended his career. And he even said it that if he had not made a heel turn, that his career probably would have ended a lot sooner than it did. Awesome moment in professional wrestling history. I don't yeah. think any human being got more heat in one night than Hulk Hogan did when he attacked the Macho Man. The fans were throwing shit in the ring. They were cursing. They were, you know, they were, you know, security was, you know, trying to keep them under bay and everything. And another moment for me that really that I just thought of when you were doing yours um, is the night Mick Foley won the WWF championship. Because for that moment, it really just it flipped the power in the Monday Night Raw or the Monday Night Wars, Wars. between Nitro and Raw. Nitro was killing the WWF in the ratings every single Monday. And it was because of the fact that Raw was taped and Nitro was live. And, you know, Eric Bischoff, being the person that he is, is that he actually thought he was going to defeat Vince McMahon in the ratings war. And he got he cocky. He thought he was going to, you know, bankrupt WWF. Yeah. And, you know, sometime before that, it was the night Rick Rude was shown on Monday Night Raw, but showed up at Monday Nitro and was blasting the WWF while he was on Nitro as he was being shown on Raw. And, and did you know that that was, like, as a result of the Montreal screw job? Rude was a big fan, big fan and good friend of Bret Hart yeah. and thought what Vince did to Bret was absolutely appalling. And he, I mean, talk about a stand-up dude and a guy that deserves to be in the motherfucking Hall of Fame. Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, who's won titles in every place he's ever been. And he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And with Rude, he was such a good friend and such a loyal guy that literally he quit. You know, he had himself a paying job, and before he even knew he could get a job in WCW, he quit. I mean, talk about... That's loyalty right there. Lo loyalty and, and talking about a, a stand-up guy, frickin' Rick Rude. And, uh, you know, I think I, I saw on uh, 
uh, what you call it, uh, it was uh, Stone Cold, I think, was talking about how uh, Rick Rude being the consummate wrestling professional, when he was on Monday Night Raw, he had a beard, and when he was on Nitro, he shaved the beard off just to have a different look, despite the fact that he was on two different television shows at the same time. Uh, the clutchness, before I, I add on to my... To, yeah, we had a question on Twitter. From the clutchness, uh, he asked if they were going to go back to their beer drinking, like kind of pre-PG uh, era of professional wrestling, kind of like the Attitude Era, where um, it was actually more entertaining. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think so. I think the days of seeing the Sandman swinging down Budweiser's, and I mean, unless I mean, like we'll that, the, the occasional Stone Cold, the, yeah, the one-off with Steve Austin, yeah, I think that'll be the only time we see somebody drinking beer. But like the things like uh, with Edge and Lita being in the bed together, I don't see that ever happening again. Uh, just some of the things that they've done in the past, I really don't see coming back to the WWE as long as they're running this PG product that they have. Well, I think uh, what happens now is you'll see guys like. Lesnar or, or Goldberg, who, you know, they put them in the third hour, and they kind of allow them to swear a little bit. The Rock, but, too. Right. They allow those guys to swear, but usually it's because there's a big event coming up, and they probably tell the sponsors ahead of time, hey, by the way, we're going to have them swear a little bit, just so they don't ruffle any feathers, because a lot of the them getting into the PG era and, you know, making things a little more kid-friendly was they wanted to bring sponsors in, you know... I don't give a toys. shit about your kids. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, with uh, with that, as much as there are a lot of things that, you know, as an adult trying to watch a PG product, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah. God. Because they went PG, and because they got these sponsors to come in, we have a wonderful thing called the WWE Network now, which is probably the greatest thing that has happened for wrestling fans. And without the money that came from uh, the shrewd business uh, acumen of Vincent McMahon, uh, we, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And as much as I would like to hear a little bit more cussing, as much as I would like to uh, see a little bit more blood, I mean, we, we've got, you know, like TLC coming up, in a couple weeks and or eight days, and we're we're not going to see blood despite the fact that these guys are you know getting hit by ladders, getting hit by chairs, getting you, put through tables. You, you know, somebody should bleed, right? Right? Yeah. You, you know, if you're when you're trying to sell something is kind of quasi reality, you know, when you get hit by a chair, when you get hit by something you know, really hard, you're going to bleed. And I wish there was a little bit more of that, but I definitely don't think that we'll see that come back full time. It'll be something, you know, like the one-off with Stone Cold every once in a while or, you know, The Rock or, or, you know, one of the big names that no matter what they say or do will not really get in big trouble. Right. Um, anyway, to to go back to my original uh I, I agree with that, the clutchness. I actually think that um, the WWE did influence a lot of the superstar, or not really superstars, but the guys in boxing and, and 
uh, UFC when it comes to them cutting their promos. Uh, obviously, you see Conor McGregor act the way he does when he does his promos. He's a prime example of that. Um, uh, Chael Sonnen's another guy who... Yeah, Chael Sonnen's another... It's a very good example, too. Uh, another guy who obviously grew up watching professional wrestling, but you know what? Not everybody could just be an ass kicker. Like Brock Lesnar, even if he didn't have Heyman, would still be a big draw in wrestling because he's an ass kicker and he a legitimate badass. Where you know what? For the most part, you, you most guys need to be an entertainer as well as being an ass kicker. Right. That's why you got guys like The Rock, who you know. Biggest star ever in wrestling history. So, but I, I think in general, I think UFC did learn a lot from that. And it's obvious the influence that some of these guys have uh, had. Hello, Detoximus number one. We're in the, uh, the United we're, States. We're in uh, Virginia in the United States. Uh, we had a friend from uh, Russia uh, on our Twitter feed just say hello to us. So. We're reaching people all over the world. Moscow. Moscow. Uh, the Moscow Mahler. Uh, isn't that uh, what the Bulgarian brute is? Or is, who's the Moscow uh, Mahler? Uh, no, the Moscow Mahler is somebody else. That would be Kozlov. Oh, that's who it was. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, let, let's see. Uh, uh, I, this, I don't know much, this, much Russian. Is it uh, Dusbidanya? I don't this know. This mark is really just struggling tonight. That's the problem. Hey, you know what? Kozlov was part of one of the greatest segments in Monday Night Raw history. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely the greatest, one of the greatest ever. It was him, Santino Morella, and Sheamus. Look, I give you your opportunity to bring up your your uh, your moments that really defined This didn't define wrestling. anything. This was just like the best segment. Anyway, to get back to my original point, uh, before I completely forget and get off topic and everything, um, the Mick Foley thing where he won the WWF title, uh, Eric Bischoff, like I said, got very, so much into himself, he got very egotistical, and he got cocky and arrogant, and he decided to have Tony Schiavone announce that Mick Foley was about to win the WWF title from The Rock on Monday Night Raw, saying how disgusting and appalling it was that Mick Foley was going to win the title, and immediately after that... That'll put butts in the seats. That'll put butts in the seats were his exact words. And immediately, that changed over, what, 60,000 people, they said, switched over? No, no, over? no. 500,000. 500,000, 60,000, whatever. <laughs> but it really just defined... That moment was the defining moment, and it was really the, well, and that the first the of switch. many nails that finally went into the WCW coffin. I want to say that WCW might have won only one or two other weeks after that, and that had to do with Ric Flair coming back for the first time in a while. So, all right, so you want to keep down this road, or do you want to go into current stuff? What do you think, folks? you want to hear uh, a recap from Raw, SmackDown, NXT this week, or do you want to just keep going down this road where uh, we keep bringing up some old-school stuff? Uh, it's it's completely up to you. I'm I'm game for either one. I, you know me. I can definitely talk old school wrestling. I can talk old school wrestling until I'm blue in the face. But right. I. All right. Well. Why 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 don't we move on to uh, 
what's currently going on. And oh, yeah, if somebody the excite- has a the question. Excitement. I could hear it from the excitement in your voice that you're just so excited about moving on to the current project. You know what? I didn't mean to do that. That's all right. Uh, let's let's flip the script. We're, we're you know, g- we always we always go by this this book. We always go by all the things that. Well, it's we nice need to have to, notes. It is nice to have notes. So this is what we're gonna do. Okay. Bobby the Brains list is going to hijack this podcast for this week. Okay. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna give a brief summary of things that happened on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and then we're gonna go a little off topic from what we normally do every single week, and we're gonna talk about stuff. That we don't need any, we don't need no stinking notes for. And we'll end on how we usually end, right? Of course we're going to end on the way, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, good. That's the only way I can, I can, I can just finish off a podcast. Alright. I mean, I understand, it's on the notepad, and I get it, it's right on the top of the notepad. It says what we have to do, talk about at the end of every single podcast. Absolutely. Listen, I'm a mark, and if, but if anything, I'm predictable. And what is the one but thing? But you're that being is most unpredictable today. I understand. But you know what? There has to be some sort of a semblance of what? Uh, I don't even know. I really just have don't a have drink, it. man. I've been drinking. I don't know what you're drink talking about. Drink it in, man. Um, obviously, we always go by the notes, which is fine. That's All right, uh, if we're we're gonna just kind of skim over this stuff, you know what bothered me this week? in professional wrestling, the treatment of Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn had an intercontinental title match on Survivor Series, and a very competitive match, and he got screwed over. But for the most part lately, Sami Zayn, really talented guy, but basically since he beat, he beat Kevin Owens in a feud that they had, has been relegated to shit. He gets beat all the time badly. And this week, he got beaten so badly by Braun Strowman that the ref didn't call the match. Mick Foley came out and stopped the match. And that's the guy who actually put him in the match with Braun Strowman. He said as punishment for losing... I think that was Stephanie's doing, I think. I understand, but it was Mick Foley that was the voice of reasoning behind that. And... He put he put him in the match as punishment for losing out on the Intercontinental title, which I thought was kind of stupid that they punished Sami Zayn for losing out on the Intercontinental title. Despite being screwed. Despite being screwed. And the fact that he got his ass handed to him by a guy who was on the losing end of the Raw team that lost at Survivor Series. Why well, didn't you punish I mean, all that's... them, too? Why didn't you punish, punish Captain Cupcake? Why didn't you punish Seth Rollins? Why didn't you punish Chris Jericho? And, and and most importantly, why didn't you punish, you know, Roman Reigns, who punishes all the fans every single goddamn week on Raw? It's just, it's ridiculous. It's like you take it out on Sami Zayn? You didn't see, you know, you didn't see, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, I'm having Shane, a, Shane McMahon. McMahon take out their frustrations on Kalisto it, losing and costing him. Did you get the concussion the, that Shane McMahon got? I might have. Okay. I, I might have, I might have, like, fallen up or down the stairs or something. But, you know, I'm just sad to see that Zayn is kind of treated like this. I think a guy like Zayn and Cesaro would do much better for themselves to be on SmackDown, where I I know that Vince is running the ship with both 
shows, but I mean, Raw is really the thing that he considers the flagship and he considers his baby. I think he probably delegates a little bit more with SmackDown and lets other people kind of run things. And I, I think guys that are more wrestlers, not that they don't have character, but that are more about in-ring competition would do much better on SmackDown. Uh, and I just wish that they wouldn't treat these guys like a joke. Uh, something else that bothers me this week. I'm just trying to go through. Well, this. Th- th- there there are a few things that were just very troublesome. Um, I mean, there were, there were some highlights. Like it, it was cool to find out that Goldberg is sticking around for a little bit longer. And he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. Uh, who knows what this is going to lead to? I don't. I mean, I think. The smart money would be on, eventually, this is going to lead to Goldberg and Lesnar rematching at WrestleMania, because I, I think there'll, there'll probably be a moment there with within the Royal Rumble where, you know, these two guys finally actually get hands on one another, and it's not going to be a squash match, and it's not going to be them throwing a bunch of, like, security guys all around, so... <clears throat> But uh, uh, it was I'm I'm happy to Goldberg sticking around for more than you know the one off thing. Yeah. So uh, something I did want to bring up from Raw was the highlight reel where Chris Jericho had his guest, uh, Captain Cupcake himself, Kevin Owens, the Universal Champion, and uh, you know for I really me this was spectacular. I, I, you know I can't I can't even do it. I can't even bring myself to say it just because that piece of shit blocked me on Twitter. Us. It, it, he blocked us. But who was who was the mainstay behind the fact that we got blocked? Hey, you know, you came up with the idea. I'm like going, dude, you should tweet that. You did. I did. Well, I, I, I feel like I deserve at least 64% of the uh, the blame for it because okay, of the 64. fact that I came, I came up with the idea. Sure. Um, 64%, you know, with you being the other 36%, uh, you take that and you divide that by two, which would be seven, no, 18% of the blame would go to you because you were half – Partial, which means the 18% that I would add to the 64% would be 82% of the blame would be strictly on me because I am the brainless one. Uh, you multiply that by two, carry the four, and I think Bobby the Brainless deserves 137% of the blame for that. Numbers uh, don't lie. And numbers don't lie. Sorry, I had to go Scott Steiner on you a little bit. but uh, Anyway, uh, I... I really thought that they were going to have their, their breakup because of the fact that Kevin Owens used the list of Jericho and got disqualified from their Survivor Series match. And, and he was talking about how unimportant the list is. How which, unimportant it was. And, and, and the thing with Jericho, uh, he like oversells this perfectly, is like the list is the most important thing in life, yep. more or less. And it, it's fantastic because like, you sit there and you think that Jericho and Owens are about to throw hands or about the you know, at least set up a, a feud, probably a short feud, because Jericho is going bye-bye at some point right. soon. But, uh, and then at the end... They hugged it out, man. They hugged it out, all because who did they blame for the loss at Survivor Series? John Cena. Try again, Cupcake. McFoley? Keep keep going. Sin Cara? Uh, no, but uh, he, he comes into play later on. Am I am I at least close? Am I in no. the ballpark? No. 
think about somebody with really, really, really wet hair. Are you talking about Roman, Roman Reigns? Reigns? Yeah, I would blame Roman Reigns. I, ro- I blame Roman Reigns for the Raw ratings being as bad as they are. I blame Roman Reigns for the fact that the World Championship is on SmackDown. I blame Roman Reigns for the fact that it snows every day. I blame Roman Reigns for the fact that I get taxed as high as I do. I blame Roman Reigns for just about everything. Hey, because you know wait, what? Wait, Roman, Ro- what about Daniel Malloy? Oh, him too. I blame him. I and blame Obama. Roman Reigns and I blame Obama. I mean, come on. i got to live the gimmick for Christ's sakes. And and then in a few months we get to blame Trump for everything. I'm not going to blame Trump for anything. I'm still going to blame Obama after it's done. Because oh. that's what those damn Democrats did. They blamed Bush. They blamed Bush for like six years after Obama took over office. You know, really, I can understand the first like two, maybe three years. I might even stretch it out to maybe that fourth year where he gets the end of that first term. But you voted him in for a second term. You can't blame him for the other four years after that. No, it's all Obama's fault. And, you know, it's still Obama's fault. And I still blame Hillary for everything. And I still blame Dan Malloy, even though he's not even the governor of the state that I, I live in now. But it, it's just it's just easier to blame Roman Reigns. Good. So, uh, yeah, they did blame Roman Reigns. Uh, he deserved it. And then I think I believe Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns came out to, for the distraction. Uh, well, the, they came out, uh, and that a- ended up leading to the main event where... Uh, Seth Rollins basically asked for a, a universal title rematch. Yep. And Beautiful, they, red, disgusting belt. Yeah. And they ended up having a fantastic match, and uh, Sin Cara ended up making an appearance. Uh, really? I miss, I'm sorry, I missed the end of, of Monday Night Raw. You know, I, I, I've, I've been telling people this for a while. I, I wake up really early on Mondays. And I don't typically make it through the entire three hours of Raw. And it's not because of the fact that I don't want to make it through the first, you know, the three hours of Raw. It's just it's hard. That's what you she know? said. Thank you. You know, when you wake up at the butt crack of dawn and you go into work, you work a 12-hour shift, and then you get home, and then at 8 o'clock you put on wrestling, and then after, the, you know, after 26 matches in the first two hours, and it's like, great. We have no, another, no, no, we, no. We have they another... don't have 26 matches. They have 26 talking segments. To go with three matches. Okay, I yeah. apologize. And so, then it's like you still have six and a half hours of Raw to go, and it's like, God damn, I'm like, I can't stay up for this. I well, typically watch the end of Raw later in the week. All right, so what ended up happening here is they made that match. They made it a no-DQ match, but basically Roman Reigns and Jericho were banned from ringside. They were trying to make it a fair and honest contest, but, you know, being a heel. Uh, and this is uh, out of the playbook from several years ago where Jericho wore a Rey Mysterio mask and ended up jumping out of the crowd with said Rey Mysterio mask and beating the hell out of Rey Mysterio. Well, Jericho is in the front row with a Sin Cara mask and ended up beating the hell out of Seth Rollins and helping his best friend, Kevin Owens, win the match. But the fact that he wore the Sin Cara mask... I mean, with what went on in the European tour, it's absolutely freaking brilliant. Uh, The casual fans might not get it, but as far as, like, the little, like, inside inside professional wrestling joke, but the fact that, like, he was out there in the mask, it doesn't matter if they knew that backstory because he was just a dude in the crowd, had a mask on, and came out of nowhere. Speaking of coming out of nowhere... I wanted to bring up something else that happened on Raw this week. Sure. Um, there was a segment backstage where Enzo was taking a shower, 
and he got locked out of the locker room by Big Cass, and Enzo happened to be butt-ass naked, walking yeah. around backstage with no clothes on. How you doing? Going to all the, all the people back there going, how you doing? And he, he came across Lana. How you doing? And he had a little segment with Lana. How you doing? And then the hairy beast from Bulgaria approached him and said, Why you do these things to my wife? I should kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. And Lana actually looked very impressed with Enzo. That she did. And it led to a match between Rusev and Enzo that ended about as quickly as the main event of Survivor Series. Uh, Rusev did go over on Enzo Amore. Well, you know what? I'm... As much as I don't like that Enzo took the loss in this, I'm happy that they took a dude who, you know, felt he was disrespected and his wife was disrespected, and he absolutely beat the living shit out of the guy who, you know, in his view, caused the disrespect. Right. So, as much as I wish it didn't happen to Enzo, I know that, you know, this... For Enzo and Cass, this is nothing. Like, this is not going to stunt their growth. This, I mean, was just a good moment, and I think it, you know, helps still show Rusev as kind of a badass. Also, two things came from this this segment, actually. Uh, The first thing was it is now going to be setting up for a Rusev and Big Cass rivalry after Enzo got his ass kicked by uh, Rusev in the ring. Uh, that was that was the that was the small part of it. Uh, the big part of it was the fact that that with Enzo Amore walking around butt ass naked surpassed the one minute and twenty six second freaking main event of Survivor Series at Bobby the Brainless's Markout Moment of the Week. I am putting the Bobby the Brainless stamp on that. Enzo Amore butt naked <laughs> is my Markout Moment of the Week. As, as terrible as that may sound, I mean, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I would have rather have seen Lana walking around naked, and above that, I would definitely love to have seen Alexa Bliss. But as you know, for a, a crazy markout moment, I think that would, I think that justifies for it. Um, and, and we won't even really get into this, but I think my markout moment of the week, I think I brought it up when we did the live uh, podcast earlier we in the did. week. Uh, Bobby Roode's entrance at NXT TakeOver, the glorious entrance with the choir and all that. It was absolutely fantastic and probably, to me, the best thing of the week. So I'm going with that. Uh, your uh, your wife is throwing up in her mouth. Well, it, how you doing? Well, <laughs> it's just like when she talks about things that you don't want to hear. So, God. You know, the so old- yeah. You totally going to have to pick me off the floor again. <laughs> that's 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 really something you don't want to share with there. Whatever. We need too. more car- Whatever. Cow- we need more cowbell. I think. What I, do you I'm think? sorry, I don't have a cowbell. Do not, please do not play the guitar. I, I've I'm got guitars here. I've I'm got drums. You, I'm going to ask you very nicely. Okay. I'm ask you very nicely. Do not play the guitar. We don't have enough time in this podcast to play guitars. So you're going to bang a drum? Oh my lord. We need to come up with a prop, I think. I think we need to come up with a prop. I mean, there's a list of things that we well, need to do. Oh, no, that's not a prop. Are you kidding me? That's not a prop. You know what that is? That is the official mascot of the F and Marks podcast. Don't no, ever. 
I'm not talking about Andre. I'm talking about the Colt. Bam. <laughs> we aim to please. So, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate that... Uh, uh, that you're tuning in you. and uh, appreciate the love. We, we we have a friend on Twitter uh, saying that they enjoy our show. I mean, we and have, we, we have, love you. You know, that's the difference between our friends on Twitter and our friends on Facebook. Our friends on Twitter love the things that we discuss and the stupid shenanigans that we the do people on, on Facebook. Uh, people on, on Facebook hand, just throw up in their, their mouths. mouths. <laughs> yeah, uh, you yeah. know what else this podcast needs? What does it, it need? It needs a little Shawno. For crying out loud, where the hell is Shawno? Shawno is. Uh, in a bygone era, in a bygone place. Actually, uh, I think tonight he, I think he's uh, announcing a wrestling show in North Carolina. Winston Salem. Woo! Uh, yeah, Shano is uh, doing a ring announcing for uh, Big Time Wrestling tonight. Uh, you know, they always have a, a good card and a good time. I, I hope the Man Scout's on that show. Man Scout, you know what? You know who deserves a SmackDown contract? Not James Ellsworth. The Man Scout. The Man Scout has never been on WWE TV, but that guy is fantastic. If you're ever watching independent wrestling in this general vicinity of Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, all, all those places, if you get a chance to see the Man Scout, go check him out. He is absolutely his character is awesome. And if you're in West Virginia, you know, you could pick up your cousin. That's a hell of a first date that you could take your cousin to is to see the Man Scout in West Virginia. I'm sorry, was Bam. that mean? Uh, yeah. You know what? Since you brought it up, I'm going to switch it over to SmackDown now. Bam. Because really, Raw really was well, uneventful I mean, anyway. there is some okay stuff, but for the most part, yeah. You want to bring it up, I'm going to bring it up. And you know what this is going to lead go. to? You know what this is going to lead to, right? What's it going to lead to? You can to? tell by the tone of my voice. We're going to get a Bobby, Bobby the Brainless, brainless rant, rant of the week. week. How the hell did you know exactly where I was going with this? I don't even. I just came up with that, the rant of the week. But, you know, I guess it's... I guess Bam. I, have I really done more than one rant? Well, I mean, uh, you haven't been able to rant on Eva Maria for a few months now. so. Well, you know what, goddammit? We're going to talk about the impossible moment of SmackDown, where that freaking rodent... That they call James Ellsworth, winning himself... The wonder. Who wins himself a contract on SmackDown Live in a ladder match against world champion AJ Styles. He is he now. Was, he was ready to just accept the contract. They were ready to just give him the damn contract. And he was all bandaged and bruised up because Braun Strowman put him through a table at the pay-per-view. He already told everybody in the independent circuit that he's already, you know, he's, he's already made his last appearance in the, in the independent circuit. And he gets himself a contract with SmackDown. And then they have him in a ladder match against, against AJ Styles, where Dean Ambrose was supposed to be banned from ringside. He was thrown out of the building. And then they let that freaking that, that rodent, that chinless rodent, win a match against the world champion for the third time. Not one, not two, but three times. He, James Ellsworth. Explain to me why James Ellsworth deserves to have an opportunity like this as opposed to guys like Sami Zayn or Cesaro or Apollo Crews, or the Keebler Elf himself on Monday Night Raw. You can't. You can't explain to me why James Ellsworth is getting this point. I can't it, even it, it, explain to you, you why... Because you, you can't. I can't explain why other independent guys who are more talented than him 
don't get a shot. Let me explain something to you. Why? Because he had that one little 15-second moment of, in, in the sun where he had that stupid promo, well, anybody with two hands has a fighting chance. Yeah, I got two hands. So let, me get, let me tell you something right now. If I went up in a fight against Brock Lesnar with my two hands, guess what? I'm ending up in the emergency room. And there's going to be a lot of medical bills that I'm not going to be able to afford. But do you think that because I have two hands and I have a fighting chance against Brock Lesnar? No. If I Same thing with uh, Conor McGregor. Do you think I have a chance against Conor McGregor because I have two hands? Because I have a fighting chance? No, I don't have a fighting chance. I'm going to get my ass kicked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Brock Lesnar or Conor McGregor or Terrell Suggs or Rob Gronkowski or freaking uh, Runed Odor from the Texas Rangers. If I go up against any of those guys, I'm going to get my ass kicked. It doesn't matter if I have two hands. And I, I, just, I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's ridiculous. They're giving him this opportunity when you have guys that have been scratching and clawing their way for this opportunity. They made their way through NXT. They developed their character in NXT. They got called up to the main roster, and then this one schlummo who's down in freaking who makes his one-off match where he gets paid two hundred bucks to get his ass kicked by Braun Strowman in less than two minutes has this opportunity to just go on to SmackDown Live and get a contract. You know, he doesn't have a chin. For Christ's sake, he doesn't have a fucking chin. When was the last time there was a freaking... God damn it. When was the last time somebody was relevant without a chin? You're going to play the guitar? Are you that, that, that's, that's what this has come to, is you're going to start playing the guitar? This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Why James Ellsworth? You know, it was funny and great. Granted, I watched the match more than any other match in the history of professional wrestling. How many times? 2,387,412 times that I watched that match, which is about three less than the amount of times that I saw the Sandman fight the zombie on ECW from 2006. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why is Ellsworth getting these opportunities? Why is Ellsworth beating their world champion? Why are they discrediting the world championship by having this freaking jobber who has no right being in the WWE beating their world champion? It makes AJ Styles look bad. It lose, you lose a lot of credibility for your world championship. And the fact that your second biggest title, which happens to be the Universal Championship on Raw, looks like it should be the Women's Championship on Raw. And it's, it's held by a guy who him and his best friend are pretty much jerking each other off every single week while they're eating cupcakes. Are you serious? Are you fucking kidding me? This is ridiculous. I've just, I've had it. The whole Eva Marie thing, yeah. You know what? It was terrible. It was fucking horrible. Don't worry, it's coming back. And the fact that she's telling people that in her return, she's going to be more like The Rock. Really? She's going to be more like The Rock? She's going to try to base herself more like The Rock? So she's going to go out there and do what? What, so she's going to go start doing movies? Thank God, I hope that's the reason why she's going to be more like The Rock. Actually, she's been doing movies. It's because she's not a wrestler! She's not a good in-ring performer. She can't cut a fucking promo. She doesn't show up. She's terrible. She's horrible. I just can't wait for the day that her and Sin Cara and James Ellsworth and the Keebler Elf on Raw all get future endeavored on the same day, and they're all in the freaking unemployment line next to each other. Where freaking uh, uh, Neville's eating the freaking the, the fudge-stuffed Keebler cookies... Talking about the, the glory days of being in the WWE. Now i got to go back to the hollow the tree that I used to work in. And then there's going to be Eva Marie that she's not even going to say anything. She's going to be like, well, maybe I, you know, I, I could have been good, but maybe I, I just sucked. You know, and there, there you go. And then you got, you know, you got James Ellsworth, you know, with two fighting hands, I can get my job back he in independence. two fighting feet. Whatever. Two. What, who gives a shit? 
That, that was just, it's just a travesty. I'm embarrassed as a wrestling fan of 28 years that they're going to do this shit with that ass clown. I, I just, I can't. I just can't do it anymore. This whole James Ellsworth thing, yeah, at first it was, it was a good story. Have him go out there, get his 15 seconds of fame. Hell, I'd love to get 200 bucks to get freaking Gronk spiked by freaking Braun Strowman. I would have done it. Absolutely. But I wouldn't expect myself to be in lines to get a contract with SmackDown Live or on Monday Night Raw or have the general managers fighting each other. No. I just go as, as a one-shot thing. I take my $200. I say, you know, I was on Monday Night Raw as a wrestling mark that I am. Hey. I, I lived my dream. I got to be on Monday Night Raw. I got my ass kicked in less than two minutes. But you know what? I made $200. I made, a, I made $100 a minute. And you know I would just take my shit. I would go back to my freaking independent circuit. And I would, just, I would just be happy with the rest of my life the way it is. Not this bullshit where he's getting this contract with SmackDown. It's stupid. It is stupid. And the fact that not only did he get a contract with SmackDown Live. The fact of the matter is he's getting a future title shot. What? What? No! 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 I've had enough of this shit. I'm so done with James Ellsworth. You know, I'm going to go in the WWE shop. I'm going to buy one of his goddamn shirts. And I'm just going to have a circle with a freaking line going over his fucking face. His chinless face. And that's how I'm going to support James Ellsworth. I feel like that guy that you, you, you showed me the video of who just flips oh. out and he's all... The, the, the <laughs> Robert roided, Frank. Robert Frank, Robert the guy who's, Frank. Like, who's so freaking roided up. And he's like, Monday is International Test Day. You know what the problem is with, with James Ellsworth? He's missing chin day. That's why he doesn't have a chin, because he misses chin day. What he's got to do is he's got to go to the gym, he's got to do 200 pull-ups, he's got to do 500 sit-ups, he's got to do 1,000 push-ups, and you know what? He's going to have his... his his protein shake afterwards, and that's what's what's wrong with James Ellsworth. Is that he's skipping arm day, he's skipping leg day, he's skipping every day that he should be at the gym. Not this fucking bullshit where he's a skinny ass little shitwad who has no chin. Here's your rubber frame. James. You know, you sound as fired up as I am about Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame. Can I can I have a minute? You can have it. I'm just gonna put my mic down for a second. Can you yeah, just yeah, carry yeah, for yeah, about no, a minute I'm, or two? You know, I just I need I need I need a moment. Take the intensity. I need I need I need a moment from from eleven till to about like four or five. Eleven? Fuck, man, we're at like forty four right now. I I've I've completely lost my mind. My blood pressure just skyrocketed. I need I need a, I just I just need a moment, please. All right, so, you, you know, with SmackDown this week, uh, Shane McMahon w was one of the big stories coming out of Survivor Series. He took a, a, a vicious bump. Roman Reigns gave him a spear, but he ended up uh, getting clocked pretty good, and he, uh, he he had himself a good, solid concussion. And Shane was there front and center, though, on Raw, or Raw, SmackDown. Yeah, the full five of the brain was right there. Yeah. But yeah, he Shane front and center, and what one of the thing that I really enjoyed about SmackDown though that they had this uh, storyline going throughout where Dean Ambrose did was annoying Shane, and Shane basically kept on kicking him out, and he kept on showing up, and I, I enjoyed the different characters he came out as. He came out as the Mountie. He ended up coming out as a member member of the Ottawa Senators. SmackDown was in Ottawa, so he was uh, uh, pulling the Mick Foley cheap pop, which uh, I would say that Ambrose is almost as good as Foley uh, with the cheap pop there. And uh, 
So we we had that going on, and Ambrose ended up factoring into uh, Bobby the Brainless's favorite uh, wrestler, James Ellsworth, uh, defeating the WWE champion. For the third time, he's defeated the WWE champion more than John Cena has, which is uh, pretty impressive. It's kind of a joke. Very much so a joke. Uh, but, you know, we, we ended up... Uh, this is one of those things with WWE that kind of grinds my gears, where they have people that either have number one contenderships or have something that's guaranteed, and they do something stupid. And thankfully, you have somebody on commentary like JBL saying, why the hell is this guy putting his contract on the line? Or why is this guy putting his number one contendership on the line? Why on God's green earth would you put a guaranteed contract on the line to face a guy that you know you can't be and shouldn't be able to be? Why do you do that? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Do you see the fragile state I'm in right now? Do you, do you really see the fragile state I'm in right now? And you're going to ask me a James Ellsworth question? Really? Really? Absolutely. Do, do, you know what? You know for episode 20 that Bobby the Brainless is, is not going to be the character that I'm going to be portraying from here on out. Broken Bobby the Brainless? It's going to be Broken Bobby starting next week. I swear to God. Are you going to get a Pepe Le Pew style? I'm going to delete you. Delete. You hear me? Delete. I'm going to delete you. Good. I'm going to delete Bobby the Brainless, and I'm going to be broken Bobby from now on, because it is so much better to be broken than to have to freaking sit here and talk about James Ellsworth getting these opportunities. I do agree with you, though. I think it's kind of stupid that somebody who gets that guaranteed contract puts it up on the line, and it's like, you know, you already have your guaranteed shot. What's the point of you putting your contract on the line in a ladder match against the world champion, even though you've beaten him twice already? Obviously, with Dean Ambrose's help, you won both of those matches. And obviously, Dean Ambrose was very helpful in you succeeding for a third time beating AJ Styles, who got pushed, although he did get pushed off the ladder by Ellsworth and then got super kicked, or sweet chin music. Chinless music. Chinless, whatever it is. Yeah. Um,. I gotta take this off. I'm getting off. The chin possible did happen. By the way, uh, this is just an aside. Can WWE please come up with something for the viewers so we can take David Otunga out of commentary, whether it's a specific David Otunga SAP device? where I could listen to Spanish commentary whenever David Otunga talks. Or, then again, there's uh, Felipe there. You know, I, I've, been, I've been vouching for this. I've been, I've been a very strong proponent for this. Uh, there being a mute Collinsworth button, where you don't mute the entire broadcast team, you just mute one person out. And I thought of Chris Collinsworth because he is the one guy in all of sports broadcasting that I would love to mute out. More than anybody else. More you than know, the, Joe Buck. The, 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 the Collinsworth, Aikman, Phil Sims, Dan Deerdorf. Long, a long time uh, ago, Joe Morgan. Uh, Tim McCarver. Yes. Uh, 
Michael K. For what? all you Yankee fans out there, he's a fucking ass clown too. What? Uh, basically, you would just I would I would never watch the, the Yankees channel because whenever it's whenever it's freaking Michael K. and that fucking what? scumbag Paul O'Neill, I wouldn't listen anyway. But I agree with you. What? They should have that capability. They should have that capability where somebody should just get completely taken. I personally, what I would do is I would just take them out of the broadcast team altogether. Well, the, the thing that take them uh, out of the uh, broadcast uh, team. You missed your moment. The the thing that drives me nuts Come on, about get, uh, this come broadcast on. team. They don't need four people. It should be just two people. But for whatever reason, they decide to put uh, Phillips into the mix with this thing. I want Phillips a little bit more emotion says, out of you. Absolutely nothing except for during fucking commercials. What is More he just supposed to be More the ad man? Is he supposed to be the hype man? Is what's he supposed to be? If he's I sitting there, literally, he's sitting there on the SmackDown announce table. They bring out Alexa Bliss, and he oh, just God. disappears. I'm hey, not. You're making upset. this sound, You're making that sound like it's a bad thing. I'm not upset that they like brought Alexa Bliss out, I'm upset that, why do they waste our time with Phillips? Is it Todd or Tom? Steve? I, oh, no, that was the general manager of the Mets. <laughs> My fault. Right. But, Felipe. Felipe. Can I get a little bit a more emotion It's a waste of our you? time that we get to see Felipe out there, and he does nothing, and he's better than Otunga. Otunga could, I mean, s- suck somebody's he's nuts. the notes. This is when you know it's getting serious. He dropped the notes. He dropped the, our list. He dropped. That was my beer. You almost hit my beer. <laughs> you I know hit what? Andre. If you, if you hit... I hit Andre. Mic drop. Oh my God. Andre, hold on. I, I'll be right back. Andre, Andre, you okay? Andre. Oh my the God. thing that's Andre, so no. annoying. Oh my God! You knocked over Andre. About the commentary on SmackDown. There only needs to be two people. They have four. They have four. How dare you? How dare you, John Rule? How <laughs> dare you with your your careless, reckless abandonment that you have? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? I'm sorry, Petey. I'm not going to throw Petey because I have more respect than that. But there's going to be one thing that's going to happen before this this freaking podcast continues. That I swear to God, don't even think. Okay, I'm going to put you in the trash, John. You didn't like that, did you? All right, you know what? Before this podcast even continues, you hear me? Listen to me, okay? Listen to what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying to you right now? Do you understand now? the words that are coming out of my mouth? You're going to apologize to Andre the Giant right now, or this podcast will not re- will not finish for the rest of this <laughs> night. I'm being dead serious. You knocked over a legend. You didn't just knock over a legend. You knocked over a legend of all legends. That is, I. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Apologize to Andre the Giant. I'm glad you find this funny. I'm, I'm being <laughs> completely serious right now. You knocked over Andre the Giant. <laughs> you know how important Andre the Giant is to me. How dare you? How dare you? 
you know the hacksaw Jim Duggan? He's an intelligent man. Graduated from college. That's not going to work this time there, Cousin Jay. I think I'm going uh, to... Your time is now, right? I'm going to shove you in the garbage can, except I think that my cousin is watching this. So, all right, all right. I'm sorry, Cousin Bobby, that I knocked no, over no, no, Andre. No, 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 don't apologize to me. Apologize to Andre. Apologize mm-hmm. to Andre. <laughs> I think it's funny that you, you think that I'm joking about this. The only reason I'm laughing is because of the fact that you're giggling <laughs> like a schoolgirl right now. Apologize <laughs> to Andre the Giant. He's on the Brute Squad. He is the Brute he Squad. Is the brute yes, Squad. I Apologize to Andre. That is my most prized possession, and you knocked it over. Apologize to Andre the Giant. I can't even do this. I can't even do this with a straight face right no, now. You, you can't. <laughs> I apologize to Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love when we go off the rails. We got a drum involved in the podcast. And Dustin Bajori just kicked John Cena's ass. Fuck you, Cena. At some point, we're going to post that. At some point. We we did record uh, during the summer. Uh, Andre the Giant. Not Andre the Giant. Uh, Dustin Pedroia kicking John Cena's ass. We better post that damn video. You know how hot it was that day when we were recording that video? Yes, I was there. Okay, just want to make sure. All right, anyway. All right, let's get back on. T- I forgot where the hell we were going before you freaking launched the freaking our list of nonsense across no, the No, we room. were talking about the bullshit that is the SmackDown commentary team. They only so, need two so people, you're, you're but just, they have four you're people. You're so mad about the fact that Otunga and Phillips are both part of the broadcasting. You have to take your frustrations out on Andre the Giant. You see me with my freaking frustrations towards James Ellsworth. Take out my frustrations on Andre or John Cena or Dustin Pedroia or the, or the list of fucking marks. No. I didn't. I took it out of my fucking liver. Everybody's liver needs to work out. And everybody hurts sometimes. Smackdown Uh, this week, as a show, was fine. The commentary team sucks. I'm going to agree with you full-heartedly. First of all... David Otunga doesn't belong in that show. I wanted to give like, the first couple of weeks. Morrow and JBL. The first couple of weeks, yeah, I wanted to give him a chance. It's like, all right, let's see what Otunga can bring to the table. Maybe he can add some insight that, you know, the other guys can't add. I'm still waiting, Otunga. You still suck. There's no sugarcoating it. David Otunga, you suck. You just suck. Just stick to being a lawyer, which you're good at, because your lawyer skills are much better than your wrestling skills and your commentary skills. So just become a lawyer. Your wife's not going to leave you if you're a lawyer, especially if you keep winning because you haven't lost a case in your entire career as a lawyer. Stick to it. Give up your professional wrestling dream because it's not going to work for you, buddy. Second of all, if it's if it's Phillips that's in there with JBL and Mora Ranala, I can accept that. If they have three guys, three guys work. They once had the Macho Man, JR, and Bobby the Brain Heenan as a freaking broadcast team. And that worked. It's happened before. It could work again. 
it's when you bring in a fourth guy, then you have the people who come in as the guest uh, broadcasters, like Alexa Bliss did this week, and other weeks where it's been like Dean Ambrose or AJ Styles or or uh, Greg the Bunny or Duke the Dumpster Drosy. You know, the greatest it's, it's a, guest uh, guest announcer commentary person ever to me, CM Punk. CM Punk was the best. He was the best in the world. He, he was terrific. Uh, so, yeah, SmackDown, uh, really one of the biggest things going on with SmackDown, they wanted to get a number one contender to face uh, against Rhino and Heath Slater. Roar! At TLC in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you okay there? Not fine. You're not going to pass out on the floor? Okay, keep going. All right, so basically they took every SmackDown tag team, and it was kind of gauntlet style, where, uh, what was the term they actually used? Uh, let's see if I could page back to the beginning of keep, the notes. Keep, keep going. Keep firing, assholes. Exactly. Uh, but tag team turmoil. Tur- there you go. Look at that. Oh, you, did you were attention. crucifying me at the beginning of the podcast, and I came up with tag team turmoil. I, hey, one out of 20 ain't bad. Hey, one out of 20? That guarantees me almost a guarantee, uh, contract. In, I can't even talk. Jesus Christ. You, you're, you're doing uh, fantastic. I come up with tag team turmoil, and I butcher the next line. So Welcome to my life. The The... Whoever won this tag team turmoil was going on to be number one contender, faced Rhino and Heath Slater at TLC. And, you know, we started out hype bros against the... Woo, woo, woo. You the, know it, bro! The very exciting Ascension. <laughs> this match ascended to hell within, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. You bastard. <laughs> God damn it, Jay. Why do you try to kill me like almost every podcast that we record? You you know, the thing is, when they have these gauntlet things, you know... Should I, should I, can I take a sip without you trying to like... Yes. Okay, thank you. When they have this stuff, you know, one of the things with the Sur- Survivor Series, you know, over... Most of the years with the Survivor Series, there would be these eliminations. They would happen so fast, and it wouldn't make any sense. It was like, all right, well, we need to get this person out of the ring because we have to do this match in time, blah, 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 blah. And it just seemed like a freaking joke. And for the most part, that's what the tag team turmoil seemed like up until we got to the finals, which ended up being American Alpha and the Usos, which ended up being halfway, you know, halfway decent match. match. I give it like a five on the Cena scale. Yeah, which, which uh, for for those of you late joining in, the Cena scale is one to ten. One is a good Cena. Very good. And a ten, ten is, is terrible. Is John Cena in a wrestling match. Using his golden shovel. One is John Cena cutting a promo, and ten is John Cena actually wrestling. That's the best way to put it. Yep. I would say five. That's I think that's a pretty good number. Yep. It wasn't it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It was watchable. I I was not disappointed. I got but to watch the team, it. The, uh, they were definitely the two best tag teams in the match, and they deserved to 
um, close out the match itself. What I thought was interesting was two things. Number one, the Vaude Villains ate a pinfall faster than Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, which yeah. I thought was hysterical. And it was the guy who tried to end uh, Enzo Amore's career. And who cost Sincara. the Vaude Villains, who, who, who um, fuck him, who basically ruined the Vaude Villains' only push Run. they've had yeah. on the main roster. And number two was the out- after the outcome of the match where American Alpha wins, and Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family, of all people, uh, interrupted them after their match and said that they have not beaten every tag team in the tag team division and that they will be fighting against the Wyatt family this Tuesday some, on SmackDown. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, if you think about it, the Wyatt family were the sole survivors for the SmackDown team, and they were the only two that actually went went over during Survivor Series as far as any of the SmackDown teams were concerned, whether it was tag team, whether women's team. Those two guys survived, and they say, hey, we're a team, and we're going to take out American Alpha. Um, with the way this is being booked and the fact that Heath Slater and Rhino are faces, I can see that the Wyatt family may be the next team facing them, and I think I, I'm going to say we're going to see the, the Wyatt family beat them on Tuesday. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that there's a possibility that Bray Wyatt will finally win his first major championship since being called to the roster like 26 years ago? Yes. Wow. I mean, a long time overdue, by the way. Because, honestly, I think this will be kind of a transitional championship thing because American Alpha, I think, is the long-term goal here. I really do hope that it's American Alpha versus the Usos at WrestleMania because that would be a very, very entertaining match. Well, and I mean, even though we got that match on SmackDown, we've gotten that match a couple times. If you give them the stage and the time of WrestleMania, these guys could really knock it out of the park. If you ended up putting these guys in a TLC match, I think it would be fantastic. But for... I, I just get the feeling that we're going to end up seeing the the Wyatt family win the titles against Slater and Rhino. I agree. I really do. Um, and, and it's a well overdue victory for Wyatt, for my, in my opinion. Uh, Randy Orton has done everything he possibly could anyway, so what the fuck? Well, I mean, um, if you think about Wyatt in similar terms as like The Undertaker, you've never seen The Undertaker's U.S. title uh, winner. He's never been intercontinental title winner. He's always been either tag team champion or world heavyweight champion. He is not a mid-card champion. He's a premier champion. Exactly. So, whereas Chris Jericho has won pretty much every title, The Miz has won every single title. John Cena has won almost every single title. Uh, the Rock, uh, Stone Cold, guys like that have won every single. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, I could go on. If you you've really never want seen to. Hulk Hogan with like a secondary title, he's either has he even won the tag team championships? He did. Did he win it with Edge? Yep. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I, uh, one of my friends up north was actually. That was his markout moment of his lifetime was when Edge and Hulk Hogan won the tag team titles. So just in case uh, you're listening, buddy. that was Edge's 
mark out moment of his life, too. So, Buddy Potts, there you go. There's a shout-out for you, man. Edge and Hogan win the tag team titles. But, you, you know, there are certain characters and certain things in WWE and, and in wrestling in general that, like, you can't put a secondary title on just because, like... And you can't teach that. It, it doesn't quite work, and Wyatt is a tag team champion... You know, that that fits in that, and, you know, hopefully one day we'll see Bray as a world champion. Hopefully sooner sooner rather than later. I want to take this time right now, because I'm in the mood for it, because the whole James Ellsworth thing just really... I mean, my blood pressure still hasn't dropped from this whole James Ellsworth thing and everything. I want to, I want to change it up a little bit again. If you don't... if. If 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 that's okay with you, Ja Rule, I would love to change it up a little thing. Let's roll. Because um, you did bring up earlier the Coco Beware thing about how fired up you get about Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame because you don't think that Coco Beware belongs in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't. Which I 100% agree with you on. Let me ask you this. I forgot where I was going. Give me a second. You know, with the Hall of Fame, the thing that's, like, Bruno San Martino, the greatest champion of all time, if you're talking longevity, if you're talking by any actual realistic, like, measure of what a Hall of Fame should be, it took them years and years and years and years. And that's why I always joke around about, like, what's a first ballot Hall of Famer? Bruno San Martino is the definition of what should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But yet it took them, Edge. like, 15, 20, what, however many years of having the Hall of Fame before he actually got in the Hall of Fame. And, that, I mean, a lot of that had to do with, like, politics between Vince and Bruno and some bad blood between them. But even so, it's like, hey, this guy was the guy for longer than anybody else. First ballot Hall of Famer. Edge, first ballot Hall of Famer. Ric Flair, first ballot Hall of Famer. Undertaker, first ballot Hall of Famer. Shawn Michaels, first ballot Hall of Famer. Chris Jericho, first ballot Hall of Famer. Hulk Hogan. First ballot Hall of Famer. Stone Cold Steve Austin. But the thing, even with Stone Cold, it took them several years after he had his last match before they finally put that guy in. He should have been in that first class, but I, I don't know if it was just because they didn't um, know with having um, that, like, see, they had uh, the Hall of Fame first in, like, 94, and they had it for a couple of years. They did away with it for almost a decade. And by the time they brought it back, Stone Cold had already had his last match. I understand. And believe me, I do it's understand. It's freaking retarded. You I know, know that they were waiting for him to have hey. like a thing in Texas, but what the what the hell? Who was the first Hall of Famer ever? Andre the Giant. He got beat up earlier today. Andre the Giant is the first member of the initial Hall of Fame class in WWE history. First he was ballot. the only member of that Hall of Fame class. He is the prototypical what you look for when we talk about first ballot Hall of Famers. It's Andre the fucking giant. 
That's all I'm going to say. He is the benchmark of what a Hall of Famer looks like. He is the benchmark of what a first ballot Hall of Famer looks like. So the fact that guys like Coco Beware and that fucking ass clown Drew Carey are in the Hall of Fame, which are both a fucking joke. I'm more upset about the fact that Drew Carey's in than you are about Coco Beware because I know they I, have the I can actually wing and, and, and you know what you know what I can actually almost justify the Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame. But then you could justify like like seventy percent of WWE superstars. Coco Beware never main evented a pay-per-view. Nope. He never held a major singles title or tag team championship in WWF. Nope. He entertained the crowd. He did. I enjoyed him. I didn't. I think his bird was more over than he was. Couldn't agree more. But to me, with what you just said, because of the fact that he never made a event at the pay-per-view, the fact that he never won a major title in the WWF or E, the Great Khali is a Hall of Famer in your book, then. If, if, if the benchmark is Coco Beware being the bottom of the barrel of what a Hall of Famer should be, then the Great Khali is basically just a step above what Coco Beware is. That means Umanga is a step above what Coco Beware is. That means... But the thing is, I don't think Coco belongs in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I really don't and either. all those just... other people, like... Great I... Khalid does not belong in. U- Umaga, who I think was, like, really, really good for a guy... Umanga. Umanga. Right. Does not... Th- Deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. He was a solid performer in the ring, but he was not, like, well-loved. The only thing with a guy like Umaga that actually would would make me give pause, like, oh, eh, eh, maybe. He never won the big title. WrestleMania 23, he was involved in the hair versus hair match between the Battle of the Billionaires and... Up until that point, the Battle of the Billionaires was by far, by far, the highest selling WrestleMania of all time. And I think as of right now, I don't even know if numbers are... Numbers never lie. They don't lie, but even even now, the only WrestleMania I think that may surpass it overall as far as like Revenue drawn might be the uh, Cena Rock one. God. So, uh, your wife says Matt Hardy should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be. I agree. And the fact that I hate Matt Hardy and I agree with you is pretty much uh, a, a surprising thing that I said that because he was a multiple time tag team champion. He won the European title. He was ECW World Champion. Uh, Matt Hardy belongs in the Hall of Fame. He had a long-lasting career. He had still a, going on. He's still going on in, in uh, TNA. He got himself an even better character in TNA than he did in WWE. Well, the shackles are off him now. Right. So I would say Matt Hardy's in the Hall of Fame. But let me ask you this question. Let me flip it this way. Is the fact that 
Oh, of course, Christian's definitely in the Hall of Fame. He's a multiple-time tag team champion, European world heavyweight champion, champion, intercontinental champion, two-time world champion, had a very long-lasting career, and in a lot of cases, him and Edge are considered one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And I can't argue that. I would put them in a discussion with my boys, the Dudley Boys, and the Legion of Doom, and the Nasty Boys, and Demolition, Edge and Christian Brothers. Fuck the Steiner Brothers. I would say they're in that in that class with the top tag teams. So let me ask you this question. Let me let me flip it this way. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dig into that little brain of yours right here real quick, okay? Yours is little, mine's non existent, so don't even take offense to that. Are you more upset with the fact that Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame? Or is it the fact that Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame in the likes of Rick Rude and Owen Hart and the British Bulldog? And I would say Chris Benoit, but I can't say Chris Benoit. He doesn't belong anywhere, except for hell. Yeah, he's he's got a, he's got a he's got a nice seat right next to James Ellsworth. You're, James you're, Ellsworth yeah, is yeah, on the yeah, same yeah, level yeah. as you know Coco Beware. You know what? You know what? Same your, level. Your, your wife is going to be getting picked up off the floor, and it's because of the fact that I'm going to curb stomp her like I do to your cat, or try to do to your cat. But is it the fact that Coco Beware is in, or is it the fact that he's in, and the fact that Guys, like I said, Rude and Owen Hart and uh, the fact that it took them forever and a day to get Macho Man Randy Savage and uh, guys like the British Bulldog are in. Guys like Vader, King Kong Bundy. Uh, stop me whenever you want to stop me. I could keep going. That are not in the Hall of Fame, and yet the Birdman Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, honestly, for me, it's the fact that he's even in it all. Yeah, I'm upset those guys are not in the Hall of Fame right now. But what did he do of significance? He had a bird. The Hall of Fame is supposed to be something that celebrates somebody who had a significant impact on the business. So why is Drew Carey in? I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am done. I don't need to discuss anything more with the Hall of Fame as long as we all come to the foregone conclusion that that fucking ass clown, Drew Carey, does not belong in the Hall of Fame. I have I have zero problem with people like Mr. T. Oh, God, yeah. He was in WrestleMania 1 and 2. He's in the main event of WrestleMania 1. And he, he had other things. Beside that, where yeah. like he he was involved in wrestling, I have no problem with guys like him. I don't have a problem with a guy like Donald Trump in, in the quote unquote celebrity wing. because oh, he he was the guy whose building hosted WrestleManias four and five, and was part of the battle of the billionaires in WrestleMania twenty three, and a very significant angle on Monday, Monday Night, Night Raw. Raw. Uh, you know where he bought the company, blah Mike, blah blah. Mike and we Tyson. talked about that. Yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson definitely belongs, and he had one of the most influential moments in WrestleMania history. If, and not just WrestleMania history, but in wrestling, wrestling history. history. But, you know, that's the thing. I'm more upset that Coco Beware really did nothing outside of when the match at the house show that I saw against the one-man gang. He did nothing else. Sure it wasn't Hakeem? One-man gang. Or Hakeem, or whatever that was. it Hakeem? The Hakeem, the, ha- the African dream. But, that was terrible. It, no, I'm no. I, I'm more upset because, like, you know, you don't see... Somebody like Juan Beniquez in the Baseball Hall of Fame, you don't see Juan like, Beniquez. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's the that's the name. Wait a minute, you're gonna throw Juan Beniquez in the class with Coco Beware? They'd be like saying, no, 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 no. Why don't you Why don't you it, give us a better name like Mark Bellhorn or or John Mabry? 
or or your favorite baseball player of all time, Robbie Ross. None of them belong in the Hall of Fame. You need to do something of significance. Most of those guys don't even... None of those guys deserve to be even on the Hall of Fame of the team that you're talking about, let alone like all of Major League Baseball. Coco Beware does not deserve any bit of the Hall of Fame. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, and that's like... It just, it cheapens, similar, honestly to me, similar to Ellsworth beating the world heavyweight champion. It cheapens the championship. Coco Beware makes the WWE Hall of Fame less. Let me ask you this By question. being there. Can, can, I, can I ask you this question, though? Basically, with, by with, existing, with, Coco with, Beware with, makes with, it worse. With, with Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame, does that mean... That there is a shot that my boy, Duke the Dumpster Drossy, is going to get into the Hall of Fame. If Duke the Dumpster Drossy ends up on WWE 2K18, why not? Okay. Think about this. Isaac Yankum DDS is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Isaac Yankum DDS is going to be in the Hall of Fame. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no well, matter how hard you... Under, no, no, it's, it's going to be... Is Tama Mustafa in the Hall of Fame? Is Papa Shango in the Hall of Fame? No. It's going to be The Godfather. Kane. The Godfather's it. Give up what? What do you want us to give up, Kristen? You know... You want me to give thing, up dancing? I can give up dancing. That's fine. The thing with the Hall of Fame... There are people in there that don't belong in there. Coco Beware was in there specifically because he was put in, I think it was uh, WWE 2K11, whatever year it was. No, he wasn't. I have the video game. He, Whatever year that video game came out, the reason why they put him in was Vince McMahon thought it was a good promotional opportunity for the game, and somebody convinced him of that. That... that Terrible. The guy never drew a dime. He was an entertainer. Honestly, as much as I love Santino Morella, it would be equivalent to Santino Morella going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but Santino Morella deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. If If you're saying that the benchmark... Is Coco Beware? He's the bar that is set for like what the bare minimum of what a Hall of Famer is. Santino nope. belongs in. Santino Morella is a multiple time. Uh, Santino, let me, can I finish? I'm Please? saying can the I, Coco can I, Beware. Can I can I finish though? Shouldn't be in. Can I can I can I can I finish though? No. If Coco Beware is in, Santino Morella belongs in there. He's he does? a multiple time Intercontinental Champion. He won the U.S. Championship. Tag team champion. He was a tag team champion. He, One of the greatest moments in Monday Night history. With the tea party with Santi, uh, Santino. with uh, Tea time with Santino. Santino with Santino and, and uh, Sheamus and, and Sheamus. Yeah. No, that's because you beat Sheamus. 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 But Santino belongs in. He does. Honestly, I think he belongs in more, more than Coco Beware does. I was, but I don't think Coco Beware belongs in. I, uh, and I, I, I don't think Santino does either. You have guys in Major League Baseball like Fred McGriff who are not in the Hall of Fame who were never. Like, you're gonna you're gonna say Fred McGriff? 
that's the name you're going to give me is Fred McGriff when the all-time leader in hits is not in the Hall of Fame? I'm the freaking roided up, the roided up piece of shit that's the all-time leader in home runs? The fact that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Jeff Bagwell and Roger Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame. I'm bringing up Where Fred Lee, McGriff Lee Smith. specifically because Fred McGriff never did anything as far as we know, as far as steroids, and the dude put up phenomenal numbers in his career. He's not in the Hall of Fame. People don't even think of him as a Hall of Famer in the slightest. I, and I you got a guy me. like Lee Smith who, you know what, I like Lee Smith. And being a closer, yeah, you, you know, it was different back in the day than it is now. But he was not as dominant as like a guy like Mariano Rivera. I remember watching him as a Red Sox fan, thinking to myself, "Oh my God, they're bringing this guy in." I, but we, like, we, we both had memories like that, by the way. But the thing is, you, you, you get some of these guys who, you know, probably Fred McGriff. I think is a guy who is probably deserving of like a Hall of Fame nod, just because he was so consistently good. For so long, Coco Beware was not that on any level. He was a, a, a entertaining figure for you know like three, four years, five years maybe. I can't do it at most. He didn't do anything to make the business like expand or or, or anything like that. He didn't win a title. He didn't do anything significant. Fred McGriff did something significant. He's not in. And they if he got in, they would consider him the bottom of the barrel. It took Jim Rice 14 years to get into the Hall of Fame, or 15 years. It was 14 or 15. A long time. It took Jim Rice a very long time. It took Harry Carson on his last year of eligibility on the Hall of Fame to get into the Hall of Fame. And Harry Carson is the prototypical run-stuffing middle linebacker. He is the model of what a middle linebacker is supposed to look like when it comes to being a run-stuffing middle linebacker. Speaking of the model, Rick why isn't Rick Martell in? Rick Martell had a more significant career in WWEF alone than Coco Beware ever had. Come on, the Honky Tonk Man is not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the Honky Tonk Man, that, that, that's kind of like one of those weird things where Honky Tonk Man was offered a Hall of Fame induction, and they kind of put some restrictions on it where, like, if you get in, you can't uh, wrestle independently for, like, eight or nine months or something ridiculous like that. And more or less, like, Honky Tonk Man told them to go fuck off. He's like, hey, I I have to earn a living. You know, I'm sure he wanted to get the induction, but, hey, if that's how the dude earns his money. He'll be in at some point. But, you know, you get guys like that who absolutely deserve to be in, and you put a dude, like, I understand when you're making a Hall of Fame list, you kind of have to have a headliner, and then you you get a, a bunch of guys who, you know, did something significant below that. But Coco Beware is not a Hall of Famer. It took him a long time to put Randy Savage in. It took him a long time to put Bruno San Martino in. Obviously, the circumstances were what they were that warranted them getting into the Hall of Fame as, as late. I, w- I wish they would, like, bring, like, a fan vote in for some of it. You know, oh, then, Owen, Hart, like, Hart, Owen Hart would be the next Hall of Famer. But the thing is, they should have, like, a list, let's say, of 20 people in... Let the fans vote on it, because if it's a Hall of Fame, it should be based on 
You, you God know, damn it! If that was the case, then Bobby the Brainless would vote for the same guy every single year to Duke be in the Hall the of Dumpster Drosy. Wrong. If you know me as well as you say that you know me, you know goddamn well if they gave me a list of 20 guys and they say you can vote for this guy every single year, as long as he doesn't get voted in, I'm going to vote for him every single year. And who the hell is that guy that I would vote for no matter what? Don't King even put Kong on- Bundy. Damn fucking straight. And I don't understand why you're not more upset about Coco Beware when a guy like King Kong Bundy... I am upset! Did hold on! You want me to get upset? Listen, I've already... significant as King Kong Bundy hold did. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. You don't think that I'm upset? You don't think that I'm upset over the fact that, King, not that Coco Beware... You, okay, you really want me to snap twice in one podcast, don't you? You really want to see me lose my shit more than once in one podcast. Okay, let me explain something to you. Coco Beware, who hasn't done a goddamn fucking thing in his entire WWE career or WWF except career. Except for have a bird. Except for have a fucking bird. I don't remember what the fucking bird's name was. I don't Frankie. Give a, well, fuck the Frankie. I don't give a shit about him. Let me explain something to you. King Kong Bundy main-evented WrestleManias. King Kong Bundy was part of the streak. King Kong Bundy had the longest reigning record. And you're going to really seriously play the fucking guitar while I'm going on my rant? God damn it, you're not going to fucking do this to me again. Let me explain something to you. King Kong Bundy had the record for the shortest match in WrestleMania history, and it was very, very long until King broke that record when he beat Chaco Guerrero for the ECW title. Exactly. He went on to face Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 2, and he... And he almost beat Hulk Hogan inside a steel cage with Bobby the Brain Heenan in his corner, who's also in the Hall of Fame. King Kong Bundy also killed a midget at WrestleMania 3 in a match against a fellow Hall of, uh, against a other Hall of Famer in Hillbilly Jim. Is he in the also, Hall of Fame yet? Hillbilly Jim's in the Hall of Fame. You sure? I'm almost positive. I know that he did something more significant than Coco Beware. Give me this goddamn phone. I, I don't. You I really, don't remember that's Hillbilly it, that's getting it, that's in. That's it. I'm getting. I'm glad I got him fired up about Coco Beware. Because Coco Beware pisses me off. He doesn't need to be in the Hall of Fame. Nikolai Volkov, at least he won the Tag Team Championships. Other than that, Nikolai Volkov probably doesn't belong in. There are other people like Rick Rude. Who deserve to be in. Demolition. Deserve to be in it. So many other people. Arn Anderson deserves to be in on his own accolades, on his own. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's not. But Coco Beware is in. Him and his damn bird. Are you fucking serious? Hillbilly Jim's not in, right? Are you fucking kidding me? How's up? How? 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 Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on a second. No. No. I don't. Give me, give me a second. I need, I need, I need, I just, I need, I need a moment. Bobby the brainless, and his brain has exploded. Are you fucking telling me right now? Coco Beware is in, and Hillbilly Jim is not in. Billy, Hill, Hill, So. Yeah. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Brain, brain, brainless just exploded. Hillbilly Jim's not in. He was in Legends House. And that dude seems like the coolest dude 
ever to hang out Are with him. Are you fucking kidding me? I would love to hang out with him. Have a couple of beers. It would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's not in. Coco Beware's in. Hillbilly Jim isn't in. Hillbilly Jim was Hulk Hogan's best friend. And then Tugboat was... Tugboat deserves to be in before Coco Beware is in. And I don't think Tugboat deserves to be in, but if, again, if Coco Beware is the bottom of the frickin' barrel, Tugboat deserves to be in. He was a tag team champion. Are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely not. Who's that hot chick in 2013? Was that Trish Stratus? Trish Stratus in the Hall of Fame? She is. That must have been her. Was she inducted the year before Lita? Yep. Yeah, that's who that hot fucking piece of ass was that I just saw. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you goddamn fucking kidding me? Hillbilly Jim's not in the Hall of Fame? Are you fucking kidding me? Look, I can understand with the whole Rick Food thing because they were still butthurt about the fact that he left the way he did because of what they did to Bret Hart and the Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, I get that. I understand that Owen Hart's not in because of the freaking... The, uh, the, 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 because of his wife, because of the whole death, because of Vince Russo. Thanks a lot, Vince Russo. I can understand the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I can understand all these people who are not in the Hall of Fame. King Kong Bundy kind of scratches my head, but it's like, alright, maybe I can understand that. Maybe there was some shit that happened in the past that happened. But Hillbilly fucking Jim? Hillbilly fucking Jim was a better goddamn fucking gimmick than fucking Coco Beware. Hillbilly Jim was not only a wrestler, not only was Jim, Hillbilly Jim part of the first few WrestleManias, not only did Hillbilly Jim wrestle at WrestleMania 17, when I didn't see fucking Coco Beware there, but you know what? Hillbilly Jim was also the manager of the Godwins. So he did shit after his wrestling career was over in the WWE, and you know what? He's not in the Hall of Fame. Are you fucking kidding me? And fucking Coco Beware is in. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. Jake, I'm no, glad I'm that done. you are fired up about Coco Beware Oh my god, Coco I'm Beware fucking now. done. I'm fucking done. Because you know what? My blood pressure is going to skyrocket through the roof. You know what else gets my freaking blood boiling and grinds my gears? What? Curtis Axel's still in the Royal Rumble from 2015. Are you serious? 671 days ago. That dude has been in the Royal Rumble for that long. You're telling me today... November 26, 2016, for a incredible Hall of Fame worthy 671 days. More worthy than beware. That Curtis Axel is still alive in 2015. That is exactly what I'm telling you. Alright, so before I blow up a blood vessel or have an aneurysm or a conniption or something, I'm going to... I'm going to sign off on this podcast just because I'm really, I'm just, I've never been more fired up in my life. And if I keep going, it's just going to get like that. So with that being said, Jay, this is Bobby the Brainless signing off. We're going to, I think we're going to go and drink and oh, I'm probably drown in. I'm going to get blacked out. Though. All right. Rock out with your guac out. It's, it's mark out with your guac out. Get your facts straight, Jay. Peace out, Mark. See you. Thanks for listening.